everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Recorded live. Good evening and welcome to the Stroke Diva Fabulous Radio Show. I am your host, Kamaria T. Richmond, and I have another fabulous show for you this evening. We are talking to Nikisha Hammond, and Dr. Hammond was on the show March 27th, so scroll back and listen to that show. But tonight we're going to talk about something a little bit different. Uh, Dr. Hammond is a speaker. She's an author. She's the uh, CEO at Hammond Psychology and Associates. She's also the president at the Florida Florida Psychological Association. So welcome back on the show, Dr. Thank Hammond. you so much. Thanks for having me again. <laughs> well, I'm so excited to have you. We have a lot to talk about. But yes. <laughs> I really wanted to highlight that you and the uh, Black Women Empowered uh, Incorporated are doing this Facebook Live series. It's a four-part series, and it's Real Talk, Mental Health, in Kids, What We Need to Know. And so welcome back on the show. Tell us briefly about you getting into psychology and about your, your um, about Hammond and Associates, and then lead us into the the four part series. Sure. So I I am I feel really fortunate and and blessed to work with kids and families um, every day. I love really love truly love this population because I really feel like the fact of the matter is there's so much. I've seen so many adults that are suffering from things that happen in childhood or in their teen years, but the reality is we know in the field that if you can help a child earlier on, early intervention is key, and really help them to process things. Everyone on the planet has something that they have gone through, obviously some more traumatic than others, but has something they've gone through, and it's just been so amazing to see the transformation in children's lives and how much you can prevent. And really, when you work with children at an early age, that you're not only impacting their childhood experiences, but you're really impacting their life, potentially, and helping them to be emotionally healthy and to really have those skills going into adulthood. Um, so that has been just one of the greatest things I feel of working particularly with this population and that was one of the reasons why I particularly specialized with the children, uh, teen, and family population because I, I really felt getting to individuals early is key. Um, so, so you know, talking about the the Facebook Live, which has been so exciting, um, and it's I, I just did one this past Wednesday last week at 8 p.m. It's um, on the Black Women Empowered Incorporated Facebook page. So we're having a four-part series, as you mentioned, and it's been really exciting because the comments so far are people are just, I mean, their eyes are being open to mental health in particular with kids because there's still this notion, which is extremely false, there's still this notion around that kids don't have mental health problems. Like, you know, what do they have to be stressed out about? They don't 
have mental health issues, which they do. Um, so it's really been um, the first of the series is really to look at the stigma of mental health. In particular, we know with the African-American and Hispanic populations, there is even more of a stigma to get help for mental health issues, and even more so with, with children. So we talked a lot about the stigma, um, and then this week coming up, this Wednesday, we're going to move more into just the signs and the symptoms because a lot of times what I've seen, unfortunately, is that children are labeled and it, I hear, well, he's just a bad kid or she's just a lazy child or something like that, when really there could be a mental health condition that needs to be addressed. So that's one of the things we'll be talking about this week, just some of the signs and symptoms for parents, caregivers, and teachers to look out for. Because if you don't really know what you're seeing, it's hard to you know take the next step and get them help. So it's been it's I'm I'm so excited. Um, so it's like I said, this Wednesday and then the 24th and the 31st of this month. And I wanted to have you on because uh, there's a lot going on with uh, the children all over the world today, mm-hmm. whether it's, it's healthcare or education. It you know it can be uh, finances on the family, and I don't know how people. You can almost see it now on a lot of children's faces that um, that they kind of need help, whether it's the way they're walking or talking or reading or just staring at you. It's like now you can get like a little glimpse mm-hmm. of something that's different. It's oh, definitely, <clears throat> definitely. And 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 the and the children that I see, they are so stressed out. I mean, they really are. They're in distress because. Well, if we look at the news or social media or the Internet, we really see that, you know, right now our country is in distress. Um, And the kids feel that too. So just because they're not, you know, sitting down necessarily and absorbing different news networks, they still pick up on the things that their parents are going through. Like you said, financially what they're going through. Right now, as you know, with the pending health care crisis, if you will, that we're experiencing, we don't, a lot of parents and caregivers are concerned because they don't know if they're going to have health care coverage. They don't know if they're going to have mental health care coverage for their child that may have autism or that may have ADHD or some other condition that clearly needs help. So everybody's stress level is up. And, and like you said, in particular, it trickles down to the children. I have been so distraught um, to witness some of the I mean, the comments and the conversations and how adults have talked to one another um, in the news and, you know, in politics and all these things which children are seeing. And if we as adults are supposed to be their role models and that's what they're witnessing, the violence and the conflict, we can't expect them to do better. Um, so <laughs> that's something that needs to be addressed as well. And that's, I mean, that's so true because uh, you can almost hear children repeating verbatim mm-hmm. what they heard in their household. Mm-hmm. And and so when it comes to, you know, the struggle with health care, uh, you know, a lot of children are repeating after their parents, not really sure <laughs> exactly uh, exactly what they're what they're talking about because that's going to be a big issue even in politics in this country. Most people know that we have a lot of mental health uh, a lot of mental health 
uh, I don't want to just say issues, but we have a lot to work with when it comes to mental health and education and our insurance. Mm -hmm. And so that needs to be something that's kind of like on the top level there because our children, you know, are developing different uh, traits of uh, of mental health in so many different ways. Yeah, I, I absolutely, I, I agree with you, and I think that I wish that mental health <clears throat> was more of a priority in this country. Um, it was geez, either I don't know February or March of this year when myself and a couple hundred psychologists from all throughout the country, we were in Washington D.C. and basically at the Capitol meeting with legislators and just begging them not to pass, not to repeal um, the Affordable Care Act because we knew that millions of Americans would be losing their health care coverage. And so, you know, back then when it first went out, it, you know, it kind of died. Um, but now that it's coming back again to try to, I don't know, do something major and drastic that would affect millions of Americans um, that currently have in particular mental health care coverage, it's, it's very scary because the reality is, the reality is that when you lose, when you have millions of Americans that are potentially losing mental health care coverage and you're not being treated, oh, it's going to affect the system, if you will. So you will see more emergency rooms being flooded with psychiatric, you know, crises and it will manifest itself with increased drug reuse. We already have a drug issue right now going on throughout America. It will be, you know, more incarcerations. I mean, it would completely affect the system in a negative way to not get people the help and preventative help that they need. And that's the one thing we need to focus on in this country is the preventive part. Mm -hmm. Let's work on it now. So, I mean, I've been in the uh, in the emergency room where you know, you've seen someone just flip out completely. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm thinking, I hope that person has health care mm -hmm. because it's scary if you, you know, if you don't have it. And you're saying we're going to see more and more of that. Oh, and absolutely. I, I think that's 100% true because you can just, you can just see it. But um, with your, your Facebook Live series, let us know, like, what are the signs? What are we looking for when it comes to having these emotionally healthy children? Mm -hmm. So some of, the, some of the warning signs in particular with children is it's similar um, to adults with, with some differences, but it's really looking at one of the things to really assess is how they're doing in school. So that comes with a lot of different layers. So sometimes children, let's say they're an ABC student, all of a sudden now you're starting to see, you know, maybe some D's, C's, D's, F's, you know, not turning in work, even though they have the potential, you know, to do the work. Um, grades are starting to slip, maybe getting into more trouble, maybe some referrals at school now being disruptive in class, or this could also be happening at home, just more lashing out, more anger. Um, and on the reverse end, sometimes children are what we called called internalizers. So instead of the anger going outward, they're withdrawing more. So they're not saying much about what's going on with them. Uh, I mean, more than the typical teen 
uh, I just want to, you know, play video games or be in my room or talk to my friends on FaceTime. This is like, you know, really withdrawing more. Those are warning signs. Um, some other things to really look at is their eating and sleeping patterns. The biggest thing is if there's a major change in how they're typically functioning. So that if they always had a big appetite, then, okay, they always have a big appetite. But all of a sudden now you see them eating less or eating a lot more or you notice they're waking up throughout the night, not sleeping, having issues sleeping or sleeping all day and those sort of things that are major changes in their, um, their general habits. Um, but the biggest thing to really look for when you look at, because that's the biggest question that I usually get is what's the difference between, let's say, a teen that, just wants to hang out with their friends and not really hang out with their parents versus a mental health disorder um, or, or a major issue of concern. And the biggest thing is, again, if it's affecting their functioning, and that could be mean socially, it could mean emotionally, it could mean academically. If they're an older teen, it could mean in their job. So there's a lot of different areas to start to see, um, to start to observe. And one of the biggest things, something I, I really talk about in the book too is let's not wait. A lot of times we can see these warning signs, but we're like, well, you know, let's not wait until they completely deteriorate to the point where now they need intensive care. If you if you start to see the warning signs early and you intervene at that point, it's a lot easier to say, you know what, I think there may be something wrong. You take them, let's say, to a counselor or get some other type of intervention it's a short-term process versus waiting until the point where now you're hearing them say or you're seeing them try to hurt themselves in some way or try to hurt someone else or really getting to that point where now you're looking at more intensive services. Um, so that's that's really one of the reasons, too, that I, I wrote my book is because there's so many things to do in the preventative world before you get to the point where you even really need massive intervention. So, so those are just some of the some of the things to really look out for. Those are some interesting, uh, and I'm going to say those to be like guidelines for us all because that means you really do have to be in tune with what's going on with your children. Now we see them, you know, they are on FaceTime, they're on the mm-hmm. phones all day, they're on the computer all day, and I just saw something on the news a couple of days ago about like three-year-olds because the parents just like give them their phones, their cell phones, that that's starting to have an impact on their learning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And and that's one of the things that, I, well, again, I, I you know, I, I sort of outline in the book is to really, you have to look at limiting their time. Now, granted, it's a lot harder to limit time when they're 17 years old, but like you said, when they're three years old, you set the guidelines, so they're, well, I, I mean, I have a four-year-old right now, so he's not allowed to use his tablet during dinner time. He's not allowed, he has limited times of the day when he can do it. It's not, here's your tablet, you can use it all day long, you know, all night long. We have to set boundaries, and, like, we have a no electronics whatsoever rule at dinner time. Like, I need everybody to just put down the cell phones or the tablets or turn off the TV, whatever it is, just at least for that moment. Um, so things like that to create pockets of time where you say you cannot use, you know, XYZ electronic device is really, really important. And really, I mean, even in elementary school, I mean, at that point, maybe early middle school um, are, are some really good times to do that as well. Um, something I recommend for the older children, for the high school 
children is um, to make sure that they don't have their cell phones in their rooms because I promise you that they're not uh, just going right to sleep and they could be up on their phones till 2, 3 o'clock in the morning right. <laughs> talking to their friends. So a lot of clients I have, they'll, you know, make sure they can use it till whatever time, 9, 10, or whatever time they go to bed, and then they have to put it in, you know, the family room or wherever else um, that there is so they're not up all night on their phones. So, um yeah, and that's, I mean, you talk about real talk, what, uh, mm-hmm. what we need to know. And the children are just, you know, whether it's their small children, like you're saying, whether they're teens, I mean, they are locked in. And yeah. we were talking um, before we started, I was asking you about with so much with so much going on online and the children are locked in. I know some are on Facebook and they're not supposed to be, but... They're on Pinterest. They're everywhere. Mm -hmm. And as I mentioned, I had a guest on uh, about two weeks ago that talked about the learning ability because our children aren't learning to read and write, not only at small ages, but they're graduating from high school reading at like an eighth grade level or even lower eighth grade level. And so we were talking about the bullying. Can you kind of walk us through that process? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so I have seen one of my subspecialties is uh, working with children and teens with learning disabilities. So what happens, and it starts early, which is so quite unfortunate. So in elementary school, when you're learning how to read, there are children obviously that read faster than others and you know read better than others and whatnot. So what the children have started doing now when you have to read aloud and that sort of thing is they will basically target the person that reads the slowest, they're taking a hard, they're taking a long time to sound out the words and things like that, which then forces that individual that's being bullied to to sort of withdraw. And they're like, "Well, I don't, I don't want to read out loud in my class." Um, so it actually, it really, honestly impacts their learning because they have said, "Now I hate learning, or or I hate reading. I don't want to read out loud. They don't want to read at home. I've seen that as well often." Um, and then what's happened, I do a lot of um, educational testing when it comes to learning disabilities to see what grade level um, the child or teen is on in the areas of reading, writing, and math. And I have seen myself countless teens, again, 11th, 12th graders, um, with about a second, third, fourth grade um, reading level. And they are, again, like I said, 11th, 12th grade, about to graduate from high school and at a second or third or fourth grade reading level. So it's it's very, you know, it's very scary and it's hard because, again, bullying plays such a huge role in that. I've, gosh, interviewed, I think at this point, I don't know, thousands of children and so many times, the majority of the times at this point when you start to pinpoint when did these learning issues start or when did your depression or your anxiety or whatever it is begin, they will pinpoint it to a time where they were bullied. So it's sad. It has such a tremendous tremendous and traumatic impact for children to be bullied about basically who they are. And all it means, if you have a learning disability, all it means is that you learn differently from the next person, which I tell everyone to, to remind them. There are children that are gifted by definition, by IQ, and they're children that have average IQ and low average IQ, and 
anyone in that category can have a learning disability. So it doesn't mean you're dumb. It doesn't mean you're not smart. It just means you learn differently. But to the general population of their peers, they see, oh, you have a learning disability, you're stupid, and all these sorts of negative uh, names towards them, which is it just has such a tremendous and negative impact many times. It does, and and, and there's something else that popped into my mind, um, which you've seen it, whether it was in a commercial or in a movie or you, you hear it on a song, where you have lots of young women and they're taking pictures of themselves, whether it's nude or they just have on their, their uh, undergarments, and sending it to young men who then, of course, send it to everyone else. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? You know, it, I unfortunately, too, have seen that happen so many times with, well, mostly really with teen girls. And it's been to the point where it has such a – it's really hard because, it, number one, it breaks their level of trust in people in general, which is hard at it's so hard at that age as a teenager trying to learn about yourself and that sort of thing. And now you've shattered this, you know, let's say young woman's trust in people in general. So that's hard. I've had teen girls that it has been so devastating to them and has triggered such a, well, level of anxiety or depression in them that they've had to, many, have had to move schools because, you know, obviously with, let's say, a boy or whomever sharing this, and it starts rumors and all these things are said and then, you know, rumors are made about what they did and what they didn't do, which is not necessarily true. Um, and, it's again, it's hard if you're, say, 15, 16 years old to handle that. So um, a lot of parents have, you know, chosen to remove their child from that school, which is partially helpful. But the problem is that, you know, let's say young woman, again, is still dealing with that issue of broken trust, of maybe regret of feeling horrible about herself and the things that now, you know, she starts to tell herself, which is not necessarily true about her, but that's what now she believes because her peers have said it, which is very powerful in the teen years. When, you're, when your peers say it, it's true. Even though it's not true, it's true to them. Um, so, so, yeah, it has, it has a, a real um, negative impact. But, again, <laughs> being a teen and still that feeling of invincibility you, you never think a lot of a lot of the girls I've talked to it's just like well I didn't think he would share it or I didn't think which is very common again with you know right. with that age group um, right yeah, I could have very very negative impact exactly and you just go in this day and age with all of this technology and uh, you it just seems that you know the circles are getting smaller and smaller and there's just so much information out there, and it's hard to believe that the children have learning disabilities, you know, that they don't have health care, or in their schools they may not have a computer. They may not have a computer at home. Or yeah. it's, You know, it's it's a lot. It's a lot. It, it really is. And, and it's, oh, gosh, it's so hard. It's hard because I used to, um, actually when I was in graduate school, part-time I was a substitute teacher, and so I worked mostly with um, special education classrooms, but all different types of classrooms, all different schools throughout the county. And what was so amazing to me was when I went to an A school and the resources they had, and then I went to the other side of town, I went to an F school, and it's just 
like night and day. It, it's actually it's so sad because, like you said, to to not have a computer in your classroom, to have a library with very few books, um, or the books are just you know torn up or you know destroyed. It's just it's so hard to learn in that environment. There, actually, my church every year we do a school supply drive for um, two of the local schools and. It's sad because I've, I've talked to some of these schools, and they will say, I mean, there's children, they don't have a pencil to come to school with a pen. So when you think about, like you said, how are you supposed to learn, you don't even have your supplies. You don't have a backpack. You don't have a pencil. So that's why I really urge, and I hope some of your listeners can hear, um, I really urge people to reach out to your local schools in need and please donate whatever it is that you have, if it's pencils, if it's pens, if it's paper, ask them what they need, backpacks, whatever it is, because I promise you there's quite a need. And when, like you just said, when we think about why do these, you know, learning disabilities and things like this exist, why aren't they learning? It's because there's no resources um, in many of the schools. And in particular, there was this one school I went to a community meeting, and it was so, it was just <laughs> so sad. To this day, I went a couple years ago, and out of the third, I want to say it was the third and fourth grade classes, which is like, I don't know, 100 and something children, um, there was one or two children on grade level for reading out of the entire grade. Wow. Yeah, it was, it was, it was just, it was horrible. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that's, that's how devastating it can be. And I know that, you know, uh, you know as, as, as a doctor, as a professional, that, you know, you can really be, frustrated because you are oh, doing yeah. everything you can with your clients. Mm-hmm. But part of that is what parents have to do at home as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I I strongly urge, and again, it, you know, it changes depending on the, the age of the child. I put some of this in my book as well, but even just tips to deal with homework, making sure, especially when they're younger, you it's, it's really unfair if they're in, let's say, first or second grade. It's unfair. You can't have the same expectations as if they were in middle or high school, obviously. So making sure, I, I mean, I know everyone has their differences of opinion, but my strong professional opinion is, especially when they're younger, make sure the homework gets in the backpack. You know, make sure it gets to school and things like that. Don't expect, especially, and, and again, there's some six, seven-year-olds that are amazing at that and highly organized and will get their homework together and get in the backpack, but there's a lot of kids that just need help um, looking over their homework, making sure it's in the backpack and that sort of thing. And that's where I think it falls on that parent or caregiver in the home for us to make sure that we do our part. Obviously, we can't do the homework for them, but we can make sure at least it gets to school so they don't get a zero on that assignment. Um, so, yeah, we definitely, definitely have a role as well. And with the way that things are going, you know, with the technology, and I know that education at some universities has also been challenging, how do we get our children, because now, you know, some some are going straight to college. Some are taking a year off before going to college. And some, you know, hey, they can read and they're just going to become an entrepreneur. They're not going to college at all. How yeah. do we kind of navigate okay. through this? How, how do we what? I'm sorry. How do we kind of navigate or how do we know to um, – Goodness, it's like a, a like a big question mark in my head. Mm-hmm. How can we navigate them to go? Well, I guess as a parent, 
you pretty much know your children, and so you can see uh, what's going on. Sometimes, I know sometimes that just like adults, children can hide their feelings. But when you're looking at, I want to get an education, and for those children, I want to get an education, I want to go to college, but I'm 18 and I'm reading at a second grade level. Yeah, Um, which I see often. Um, So the thing is this, I I don't, I think we really have to be careful. So number one, I mean, college is not for everyone. We know that. So, and I have tested children that, or not children, I'm sorry, teens that are on the first or second grade level for reading and all the other subjects, but say, I want to go to college. Well, I mean, I also believe that you, we want to encourage teens, obviously, but at the same time, to be fair to them, we need to make sure that uh, they're placed appropriately, if you will. So maybe not a four-year institution, um, but maybe a, I mean, even a community college might be hard, let's say, if you're on a first or second grade level, but there are technical schools. What else are your interests? There are hands-on learning experiences or something that is more appropriate because, again, we don't want to you know, set that person up to fail. When you go into, let's say, even a community college and you're expected to be at maybe a sixth grade reading level even and you're at a maybe a first or second, I mean, it's, it's, it can be really disheartening to be placed in the, wrong, um, in the wrong area of education, but I still think that you can, you know, still work in your interest areas, but it needs to be appropriate to where you're at. Um, so, again, I've, Seen many many teams that barely um, graduate with the you know the GPA cutoff or or really I mean or or the motivation may not be there. So you see a team saying I really want to go to college I really want to go to college but but you're like well you're getting you know a lot of zeros you're not turning in your work um, you know by your choice it's it's difficult to do so again instead of setting that person up. Um, to fail, making sure that they're set up appropriately, whether it is a job or whether they need the time off or whether it needs to be a, you know, a technical school or some type of program that's more hands-on and less reading and, and that sort of thing is really important. Um, similarly, if there was a learning disability, which is a completely different issue, um, and they have the potential to learn, but where they're at is, is due to a learning disability, then actually... A lot of colleges, what they have is sort of like an Office of Disability Services, and they, well, by law, need to provide the appropriate accommodations for that, um, you know, for that team to be successful in the transition into college. That is interesting. I didn't know that, but mm-hmm. that's something that is definitely needed. And you mentioned before, like, uh, like the trade schools, mm-hmm. that was always, it was always something that you could do, and mm-hmm. now it doesn't seem as if you can find that anymore. It's, it's just um, because it is easy to find a trade, not mm-hmm. easy, but, you know, it, it may be better for you to find a trade. And you used to hear about trade schools all the time, and now you really don't. Is that because of this, uh, the times that we live in with the Internet? I was going to say, yeah, there's a lot. So now there's a lot of schools that are online now. Um, mm-hmm. So there's, I mean, they're still there. Like I said, not as many, but there's a lot of online programs. And then they'll have, I don't know, let's say 
a, a day a week or maybe a day a month or something like that where um, you might get like a hands-on learning experience if they have a campus or something like that. So um, it's really all about your, I mean, your ability level is going to be important, but also your motivation level um, when deciding whether or not to, to go that route and, and your interest too. So, you know, I've, I have seen sometimes parents that are really pushing their kids one way, but really they don't want to do that. <laughs> so it's hard because even though they may be able to, if they have no interest whatsoever, you still need motivation, <laughs> right? So um, so it's, it's encouragement for sure, but also making sure that their needs are being met and they're doing what's interesting to them as well. Right, and I wanted to ask you, so let's say your parent has a mental health issue. Mm-hmm. How do you, how can you work with that as as a child or a teen when you have a family parent that has a mental health issue? I would think that that would, you know, a child that would be like a weight on their shoulders. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah, and it definitely can be depending on what the condition is. Fortunately, there's a, well, in particular for the teens, I know some teens are very much on the fence about support groups and things like that. But what they, what I've seen that they have been more open to is there are now apps and there are online forums and things like that for for really for them to learn about what it's like to be a child of, let's say it's, I'm just throwing out, let's say it's bipolar disorder. So I mean, just literally in a Google search, children of um, a parent with bipolar disorder, and there can be, again, online support groups. So you're not even showing your face because I know there's still the stigma and people don't want to, or apps to really understand and learn about what bipolar disorder is and isn't. Um, there's resources now in particular for you know children and teens. Um, and like I said, it's, it's a lot easier for the teens because they can obviously look it up you know, for themselves, but it's a little bit more difficult for um, the younger children. But hopefully, what I really hope um, for them is that, and there, and I have seen that too, many parents that will have another family member or another source of support in their lives that really, you know, kind of help them. You know, let's say this parent needs to have a hospitalization for mental health purposes. Hopefully, there's a family member or a family friend or someone that that child, you know, can go through go to for that time period or just someone that is a you know positive source for them in their lives to help explain what's going on with with their parent um that would definitely be ideal and I know there's a lot of organizations too for for younger ones too but as I mentioned it's obviously easier for the teens to to reach out and get the support with their phones that they have so and one other and now and this is just a little a little well it's kind of what we're talking about but and I wanted to ask you about it, is now there is this app where you can talk to a psychologist. What, what do you think about that? <laughs> so, great question. Um, very interestingly enough, um, we in the mental health field, it's a little tricky. So currently um, on a national level, uh, for psychologists anyhow, there's different mental health providers, but for psychologists, we're really trying to work out the details of what's called telehealth, which is basically, like you mentioned, let, let's say, well, I live in Florida, and I'm talking to someone in Arizona, let's say, um, because right now we're actually limited. For Again, I'm speaking for psychologists. There's different mental health counselors and different um, other levels of uh, mental health professionals, 
But it's it's complicated because I am bound by the um, laws in Florida, but I the person may live in Arizona, which has a different set of laws, and it's actually been something again, like I said, the national level that we're trying to work on, um, and there are some guidelines, but it's not it's not a perfect system yet. So I and I have heard of that app as well, um, which is out there. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you are a psychologist, you're you know kind of taking a risk and doing that because there's not fully clearly defined rules as yet. There's some guidelines, but not clearly defined rules for every state. Um, so it's a little complicated, but that is something, I, I mean, I definitely am a huge fan of telehealth. It's just that we're working on it. So in the, like in the military, for example, they're, they've, I mean, they've been doing mental health, or I mean, telehealth successfully for years. Um, but we're still trying to work on it a little bit um, at the more like, let's say, the private practice level and some some different um, agencies and organizations. Um, but it's it's there's pros and cons. <laughs> I will say that that's like a whole other show <laughs> oh, to talk about that issue. So there's definitely pros and cons to that. I, I see that that uh, commercial. I'm like, oh my, oh my goodness. But uh, before, we, before we wrap up. Uh, tell us about the next two. You have two more weeks for the Facebook Live. I know you're skipping next week, but the week after and the week after that. So mm-hmm. tell us what's going on those next two weeks. Yes. Um, so, so yes, we have this week, uh, the 10th, and then the 24th and the 31st. So, <clears throat> so the next week, uh, or this week, I'm sorry, we're going to be talking more about the signs and symptoms for different issues. You know, again, particularly with the um, with children's mental health. And then I have invited, and I, actually I can invite your audience as well, um, to email questions that we're going to be answering uh, the 24th and the 31st, and it's emotionallyhealthykids at gmail.com. Um, so just literally people are you know, sending in lots of questions um, that we'll definitely do our best to, or I'll definitely do my best to get answered on the 24th and the 31st. Um, but one of the things that the host wanted to discuss as well um, and, you know, the kind of the last two parts is what clearly we've seen in the media as well is going on as far as law enforcement and the lack of training that's happening with, um, with mental health, with basically with understanding that um, a person has a mental health condition, in particular with the teens that, you know, obviously we're seeing are getting shot and getting injured and these sorts of things, and many people um, that have died and have gotten injured by police officers have mental health disabilities. So there's um, definitely a lack of knowledge. Um, so we, yeah, we'll be discussing that as well. And that's that's a huge issue. Mm-hmm. And uh, you would think by now that that, you know, the police force would have something you know, something already set in stone, like these are the signs. So if you're a police person and someone's walking towards you and you're saying, stop, stop, and if they look like there's something a little different, it's, I mean, shouldn't they be made aware of or shouldn't they know kind of the signs if someone, whether it's mental health or I'm sure, you know, if someone is like on drugs, that's probably a totally different, mm-hmm. right. a totally different thing. But when something like that is happening, isn't it in your best interest to say that this may be a mental health? It would definitely be in their best interest. What I've learned um, is 
So each, um, well, I guess unit, for lack of a better word, um, with police uh, officers, they there's different districts or areas or whatnot that choose what to have in their curriculum. So, and I will, I mean, I will definitely say that there are some um, units that are very mental health friendly and have uh, decided to add mental health training, more mental health training into their curriculum. Um, but throughout the country, um, we see that it's not a, a huge number, um, which could be one of you know the causes for the just the lack of information um, that's out there in particular, and you know what we're seeing basically um, on the news and in social media. So so that's definitely something that you know we want to address, and it, it really takes, and that's why I'm bringing it on the show on her, I mean on Facebook Live, is because it really takes a community to be vocal and to advocate within that community because this is not really something; it's not a federal issue where they can just say, okay, all you know, police forces do this, it's, it's per, per area. So it really would take the community throughout the country to advocate and say, listen, this is what we need or this is what we want. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah, we need that very badly. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that, yeah, we have to talk about that one again, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Because uh, i definitely like to get your, get your take on that. And uh, before we wrap up, so tell everyone – the name of your book and how uh, they can find your book and the series, everything they need to about the series and uh, your contact information. Sure. So uh, the book is um, The Practical Guide to Raising Emotionally Healthy Children. And it is on Amazon and it's on barnesandnoble.com. And as far as the Facebook Live, so it's, um, just go to Black Women Empowered Incorporated Facebook page, and and the, you know welcome to you know definitely like the page. Would highly recommend it. Um, and the Facebook Live is going to be well. The rest of the series is this Wednesday, May 10th, and then the 24th and the 31st at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And um, as far as uh, myself and my contact information, I am at HammondPsychology.com. I'm also on, I think, about every social media um, <laughs> site. So I'm on Twitter, uh, dr underscore Hammond, as well as LinkedIn and Facebook and just about all of them. Um, because I really want to just spread the information. That is so huge. Please, when you get information about mental health, get information about something to help children and parents, please, I'm telling all your, your listeners to please spread the information. We really, really need to increase our awareness of what is going on. So I try every single day um, to, to really just get some resources out there. So, Which is great because, you know, as you were saying, it it takes a village. And mm-hmm. uh, we've, we've seen over the last uh, 100 days and counting where people are really taking a stance and are really trying to rally folks around the country on how to – help with some of these uh, political issues or um, mental issues, people, it seems, now are more than determined to say, this is what I want from my government. This is what I want. This is what we deserve. And mental health is is one of those things that uh, it's like everything. We ought to be given, everything should be a birthright. Nothing should be where we have to uh, ask and beg and plead about it. I mean, as a country, 
we can be we could be so much stronger uh if we, we really, yeah, yeah we, we really could be we yeah. really could be um and 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 like i said earlier the the saddest thing for me is that i have seen so many children that are suffering and it just does not have to be that way it's it's prevent there's so much that's preventable and that's what if if only if only we could just see that as a country and politically and just say man we can we really can save kids it's very cliche but we really can save children because i've seen it many many times and there's just preventative things we can do in the area of mental health and i mean a huge 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 difference and, and a better outlook and i saw on uh advertising your your uh facebook live and i've put this you know where i've uh either tagged you or uh put it out there that you are America's favorite doctor. America's <laughs> favorite psychologist. <laughs> Thank you. So I put I put that <laughs> everywhere. So. Thanks so much. Yeah, I, I'm I really I I mean I love that's my life. Like I will always always advocate for children and families because like I said, I've just I just oh, there's so much need and there's so much that can be prevented. I know I've said that like 500 times on this show, but there's really so much that can be prevented. And and it really and it it does take a village. It does take the community. Again, if you have the means, go and donate a ream of paper. I mean, sometimes that can make a huge difference to a school or pa- paper, pencils, backpacks, something. Um, it right. makes a huge difference. It really does. And that's, you know, that's a good reminder uh for us all. You know, we have stuff, you know, we have stuff at home that we mm-hmm. can donate that we're not using, or it's easy just to go to a store and just pick something up and say, uh, you know, this is this is for the children, especially those ones that uh, need more. Mm-hmm. You know, we really have to do that. And so I applaud you, and I say kudos to the work that you are doing because you are making a difference. Thank you. And, I mean, that's just, I was just excited to have you back on because we had a nice show on the 37th of March, but I was like, we have to talk about this Facebook Live because having emotionally healthy children means that we'll have a healthy, uh, I was going to say healthy economy, but healthy health. And we will. (laughs) We really will. (laughs) Yeah, it actually, it's, Oh gosh, it's so it's so fascinating, and, and exactly what you said. We really will help a healthy economy. I mean, it's 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 mind blowing. Like when you look at the studies and you look at the research and you see how many how much dollars how many dollars are being spent Thanks. on incarceration and drug problems. We have, I'm sure you've seen it, and it's all over the news. I mean, there's parents that are you know passing out and dying in their cars, and little kids you know in there watching because of the opioid opioid crisis we have, and just so many overdoses. I mean, it, we spend so much money on intervention in this country. If we can just shift gears and go to prevention, it's, man, we'd be the, a better country. We really would. Exactly. And that's, like you said, that's that's the key is the prevention. Uh, so I want to thank you again, Dr. Hammond, for being on the show. I uh, want you to hold on for a second. And so I want to thank everyone uh, listening this evening, TalkShoe is live and recorded, and it will upload in just a few minutes. 
about 15 minutes or so, and you'll be able to share that with your network. And so Dr. Hammond is really giving us a lot of information, and please uh, join in with on that Facebook Live and submit your questions early. But uh, please, please, as you say, Dr. Hammond, whatever you know, you just need to share. So share this show with your network so that we can rally our troops all over all over the nation to do better so that we do have emotionally healthy children. And uh, this is Mental Health Awareness Month, right? Yes, it is. <laughs> okay. And so for Mental Health Awareness Month, do we have, will there be a lot of rallies or a lot of meetings or a lot of different programs that there are? There are. Actually, um, so APA.org, which is the American Psychological Association, um, if you go to that site, so again, you know, obviously it's all over the country, um, go to that site and just type in um, mental health awareness. There are, yes, there are so many events and rallies throughout the nation. Um, I mean, there's online, we have Twitter chats and all sorts of things, but that site pretty much outlines um, the whole month long. Um, what is going on throughout the country? So it's really nice. So I would highly recommend people to you know go to that site apa.org and get get involved. Please get involved. Oh well, thank you. See, you just you you just have all the answers. <laughs> <laughs> trying to get it. I'm trying to get the information out there. <laughs> yeah, you're getting information out there, and uh, we just need to be open uh, open to listen. So thank you again for being on the show. You're uh, welcome. Thanks, everyone, uh, for tuning in. If you missed the uh, if you missed the broadcast, again, I will have it on Facebook and uh, Twitter and LinkedIn and uh, Pinterest. I will Google Plus. <laughs> I will also <laughs> share this uh, show because it has been very very enlightening. So, Dr. Hammond, hold on a second. Thanks, everyone, and. Uh, Stay tuned for another edition of the Stroke Diva Fabulous Radio Show. Have a fabulous week. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.